Well, it seems the Apostle Paul traveled about 15,500 miles in his ministry, and around 8,700 of those miles were on foot. Uh, These are the calculations of New Testament scholar Eckhart Schnabel, and that's an incredible range for the first century. Uh, We can trace out his missionary plot points uh, on Google Maps. In fact, it's already been done. But what can we learn from those trips for our own missionary work today? It's a question from Chi Hong, a listener. Pastor John, hello from Malaysia. What can we learn about Paul's missionary journeys? Can we say he strategized his movements based on his accessibility? Sometimes, of course, he was prohibited by the Holy Spirit to go certain places. I'm wondering about this question for myself and also to guide potential missionaries on how we choose where we go. What do we learn about Paul's missional strategies from his geographical movements? I don't think that the way Paul acted geographically and with regard to cities, say, is per se mandatory for the church today. In other words, descriptive activities in the book of Acts may or may not be normative for us, depending on whether Luke, the inspired writer, gives clues that the description he's giving is intended by him to be authoritative for later generations. And I don't think that's usually the case. However, just like we would be foolish you know, in reading biography, not to learn from the strategies of the best missionaries, we would be idiotic <laughs> not to pay close attention to Paul and and his strategies because he was one of the greatest missionaries of all. So let me mention three of his strategies, and then we can work together on whether uh, these have a direct impact on us or not, or how they do. First, On Paul's first missionary journey, described in Acts 13 and 14, three things marked his geographic strategy. One, he went to cities, Salamis, Perga, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra. Second, he usually focused on the synagogue first in those towns. Third, he backtracked, revisited the same towns on his way home, discipling people, telling them they're going to be afflicted, and appointing elders in all the churches. So we should give serious consideration to the wisdom of focusing on population centers that may have some kind of religious expression, for him it was synagogue, some kind of religious expression which might provide a a redemptive analogy, a, a link to make the gospel more readily understandable. But I I don't say this as an absolute because We don't know whether Paul did serious evangelizing in the smaller villages between these towns. We still know. There's nothing in the book of Acts that says Luke's narrative is exhaustive. We know it's not. You can read it in an hour, and it covers years. And so I I would never want anyone to to think that the only biblical— a uh, mandated way to do frontier missions is to go to cities. That may be wise, but there are other factors that might, in a certain situation, say, no, that's not the best strategy. Here's number two, number two strategy that we, we can look at. We notice that Paul sometimes spent an extended period of time in one of those urban centers with the effect that the gospel spread to the entire region. 
evidently because people come and go. There are communication and transportation lines between that urban center and the outlying areas and villages. So listen to Acts 19, 8 to 10, as Paul describes his, his longer, first longer stay in, in Ephesus. Paul entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years. So that, now what's that word, so that? So that all the residents of Asia, that's the province, heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So that little phrase, so that, shows that the effect of Paul's lingering for two years in one single urban center resulted in the whole region hearing the word of the Lord, instead of Paul jumping around to all those villages. So we should seriously consider whether one effective strategy for reaching a region that may have lines of transportation and communication to an urban center, whether focusing on that center might be more strategic than focusing, say, on one of the outlying villages. So that's my second observation that we could learn from. Here's the last one, and probably most important, I think, for the task remaining for us, namely Paul's amazing testimony, astonishing in Romans 15, 8 to, 18 to 24. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, so that would be, picture Jerusalem down in southern Palestine and Albania, northern Italy. From Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered in coming to you, you people in Rome, because I've been, I've been trying to, to plant the gospel in all these unreached regions so I can get out of here and let, let the evangelists finish the work. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, that is astonishing that he would say that. No longer have any room for work in these regions. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So here are my five concluding brief observations from that text. One, his ambition and strategy to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. Number two, with that definition of your ministry, a region can be completed. You can think in terms of closure and completion. If that's the definition of your ministry, the gospel can be, as he said, fulfilled, even though lots of people are left to be evangelized. They're not all saved, but local pastors like Timothy being left behind at Ephesus can get the job uh, done with evangelism. Paul's finished. He's out of there because his job is put the gospel where it's never been heard. Number three, 
Not everybody in missions is called to have this kind of assignment, to preach where Christ has not been named. Timothy was taken from Lystra, his hometown, and planted in Ephesus, so he was a kind of missionary. He, he crossed geography, maybe some cultural differences, no doubt, and Paul left him there. Now, you get the job done in these wider regions around here as a, as a pastor there in Ephesus. I'm going to Spain because that's my calling. Number four, Paul sought help from the churches to support him in his mission to Spain. So it's it's not only a missionary who feels responsible for going where Christ's name has not been named, but churches feel it and get behind him. And nobody should feel guilty in Rome that they didn't go with him. He didn't invite them. It's not their job. You stay there and evangelize Rome and send me whatever money you can because I'm going to go where the gospel's never been preached. Number five, last one. So today, I think it is very likely that God wills for there to be at least three kinds of missionary types, or maybe two kinds in a subcategory under number two. One is a Paul-type missionary, always pressing to the frontiers where there's no church, no gospel witness at all. Frontier missionary types. May God raise up more and more and more of them in our day. Second, the Timothy-type missionary who leaves one place, goes to another place. This would be like maybe uh, going to Dubai and being a pastor. Well, i got several friends who've, who've done that. That's a Timothy-type missionary, I would say. And third would be all those people who evidently went out from the church in Ephesus and shared the gospel all over Asia so that Paul could say when he'd spent two years in Asia— the word of the Lord has been heard all over Asia. Well, he didn't take it. Timothy didn't take it. This is, this is just average Christians moving around in the world along communication and, uh, we would say, internet, internet lines and, and transportation lines where you can go, and, and they're taking the gospel everywhere they go. So those would be at least three pointers uh, from Paul's missionary strategies that would inform ours today, I think, but but we should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading for whatever new thing God may want to put on our hearts today for finishing the Great Commission and not feel restricted, whoa, I didn't see Paul do that, so maybe I shouldn't do it. I don't think there's any hint in the Bible that we should limit our strategies to the ones Paul used. Fascinating takeaways, uh, even in the discontinuities. Thank you, Pastor John, and thanks for making the Ask Pastor John podcast a part of your day. You can stay current with each episode as we release them on your phone or your device by subscribing through your preferred podcast app. And you can now even listen through Desiring God's official YouTube channel Yeah, on YouTube. And if you'd like to search our past episodes, browse our most popular episodes, or send us a question, you can do those things at our online home at DesiringGod.org forward slash Ask Pastor John. I am not sure what's on the docket next, but I am happy to be your host, Tony Ranke, and we plan to return on Friday. And Lord willing, we'll see you then.